Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monacelli. My avid followers knew this podcast as Pleasure Seeking, the Pleasure Seeking podcast, named after my book, The Magic of Pleasure Seeking. As soon as it's available for pre-order, I'll announce it here. Enjoy your listening. Today, I have with me as a guest, Branch Isole, and it's difficult for me it's usually uh, difficult to introduce someone, but um, and and of course we have so many different hats. But this is a person who is, um, you know, after my own heart. He's an author, a poet, a storyteller. I mean, who doesn't love a storyteller, right? I used to grow up with my dad telling us stories at night, so I still, you know, am a. a I can anybody can swindle anything out of me with a story. Now, he's known for his short story prose, and I'll have him talk about that, of course. And he shares readable, relatable stories that reveal emotions. And this is the kind of work that usually goes beyond underneath the surface and issues that are often experienced, but, but not always spoken about. Um, let's have him come in and talk for himself. Come on in, Branch. Good afternoon, Claudia. Welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I've been waiting. <laughs> I'm so I've glad. Been anxiously waiting to meet you and share with your audience. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. Now, one of the first things that um, uh, that I saw, you know, uh, when reading about you was this um, theology degree an Oxford MA theology degree from Trinity Bible College and the seminary. And I'm a, I am I don't want to put it in this words, I'm a sucker for those kind of men. <laughs> Since I was a child, my, my first love, then we went to the seminary. My second sentence, same thing, you know. That's the first thing that uh, struck me. And not only that, jokingly, I said that, but um, the, you know that uh, theology studies were at the basis of all intellectuals way back when. I mean, when you uh, hear that someone had uh, done the seminary, had gone to the seminary, or uh, has a theological background, you know that they have a wide-ranging cultural basis and a strong intellect. At least this is what I'm saying to you from from a European perspective. And it's usually the case. Is that your experience? Uh, Did anyone ever tell you that? Well, they haven't told me that, but I I agree and understand. You know, um, theology and its sort of tangential offshoots of philosophical thought requires requires, um, study, requires research, requires questioning and some deep thought. And of course, at, at the center of all of it is this concept of God and this idea of a relationship between, you know, people and God. So um, I, it, was, it was the original fundamental um, educational process for most cultures, particularly in Europe, of course, and it does require, first of all, an interest. You know, it, it's hard enough for people just living our daily lives for us to think about or concentrate or 
grapple with this idea of a spiritual relationship or religious relationship and to step out of that norm that is part of our daily lives, but for a lot of people, not a great part, but to, to have that desire to go a little deeper, um, you know, requires sort of an inquisitive mind and one that realizes that you're going to have to balance some structural study with some aesthetic and unstructured study as well. Uh, you know, anytime we talk about spiritual spirituality, spiritual grounding, there's a lot of um, isms and questions that, yeah, that, can, yeah, that yeah. can come out. And the one of the great things about religious studies or theology is we don't always have the singular answer. And right. so it's a little bit different study, a course of study. And, and of course, when you're in it, you know, one, as a student, you, you gravitate towards certain ideas and certain justifications. And out of that, then, I guess, comes one's personal path and personal goal to see how all of that applies to your own life. Um, so it's, it's an inquisitive nature, uh, you know, that one sort of has to have yeah. to go that path where not all answers are, right. are necessarily black and white. Right. And and what brings me, um, this brings me to ask on a number of questions, really. Um, I know you've written extensively. Um, how much of your theolo uh, theological work has trickled down? Because um, in if I go to your website, if people go to uh, see and find you, the word spirituality comes up here and there, you know. And um, I'm wondering how much of that work that you did um, has seeped into your um, storytelling. How, uh, if it seeps in, how does it seep in? It it does seep in. I write I write both fiction and nonfiction, and I write primarily in in the nonfiction area. Um, Gosh, it's not religious studies. I, I'm one of those people who claim to be spiritual, not religious. Um, I'm not drawn okay. to... Okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, <clears throat> hold on. I'm going to interrupt you right there. Um, yes, and this is, it's, it's. Uh, I don't want to say it in a derogatory manner, it is a spiritual, spirituality seems to be a, a catch-all, you know? Exactly. Uh, yep. Generally, when, when we don't want to step on anybody's toes who have a different faith from us. Um, and, and so it's very common to talk about that. But um, And spirituality, uh, like the, there are three taboos I, I, I have come to learn. One is spirituality, one is sex, and one is money. Very difficult topics to talk about because people's relationship with money is so, it's its very, very personal, very taboo, just like it is with sex and spirituality. And and so here, you know, I, I um, it's not that I'm asking you, well, where are you on the side of God? Where is God on branches, in branches life? No, but how does it seep in to your stories? Is it 
um, does it give us an example? Maybe that would be the best thing. Okay. Um, of a story where, go ahead. Okay. Um, much of my writing, I, I write for secular readers mm -hmm. and for questioning or, or wandering. Yeah. Right. Know, when, mm -hmm. when I say spiritual, right. not religious, I, I'm trying to focus more on relationships, both uh -huh. our relationships that we have here as people, and then yeah. the that outside of ourselves relationship that plays a part in who we are and the choices and decisions that we make. So from that standpoint, okay. most of my writing is about situations that every adult knows either firsthand or from family or friends or coworkers, some kind of an experience that we're mm -hmm. familiar with. And within those stories, I usually try to tackle um, the, the drama and the trauma that the reader mm -hmm. experiences and at, at the end of the story, give them a place to land where they're able to question what they've read, what it may mean to them, and what they can do about it. And from, from that angle is where that spiritual grounding that I'm trying to provide comes in. That oh, I see, I see, I see. Step outside see. of yourself in what in whatever issue or problem you know that you're grappling with at any time um we can get consumed to a point where we you know miss the forest for the trees kind of a situation and get sucked into right, right. you know responses and reactions that are not necessarily in our best interest and there's a place out there that you know we will bring us back to a ground zero so that we can hopefully work through the true issue of the problem. And so I'm trying to bring in that, that um, point of recognition that right. the solution is there if we want to include mm -hmm. more of the answers that are outside of our ourselves right, and our right, immediate right. struggle okay. that we're in. Mm -hmm. All right. So now I'm really dense. Make believe I'm stupid. Let's say I am really stupid, um, and I'm I'm beating on this uh, drum. Continue, and you'll see. But if I ask you for an example, right? In the abstract, I've understood completely. But let's say. Can you give us an example of what you just said through a either a protagonist in your stories or a storyline? Um, is it possible for you to do that? Sure. Let's let's take a common. Okay. Good. Uh, for some people, common. Let's take a, a relationship where one partner has stepped outside the relationship and been uh -huh. and been sexually, you know, in contact with a third party with someone else and mm -hmm. <clears throat> that situation no matter how long it may go on can only end in one mm -hmm. way and and that's in facing 
the situation, correcting the situation or terminating, you know, the relationship. Right. And mm -hmm. the injured party, you know, um, their response Who would be in this case. Well, let's let's say a man, this, a, yeah, a man, companion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a man steps out and has an affair, um, you know, with someone okay. other other than his wife. Okay. When okay. Mm -hmm. when that when that scenario comes to light and the people involved are exposed, mm -hmm. most often the injured party, this being the wife in this case, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. is yes. is hurt and mm -hmm. um, all of the ramifications of behavior, you know, revenge and hate and, and all of those kind of things come out. And mm -hmm. if we look at the situation, there is one or more reasons that the man stepped outside of his relationship. Okay. And mm -hmm. right. I believe that the reality is all three people in that situation bear some responsibility. Now, I don't know what that I is. I believe so too. But, you know, mm -hmm. a decision has to be made of, okay, where do we go now? And the problem I find is, you know, it's, right. it's, a, it's an adult situation, but there's a lot of times when the people in that situation are not adults. Obviously, Right. You know, it has to be corrected one way or the other. And for, right. you know, the person to end the affair and come back into the marriage, um, you know, she wants to know why he did it. And, and he's got all kinds of excuses. And the focus is always on the sex. Mm -hmm. When we look at the truth of the matter, the at the core a breach have a breach of trust has taken place. And right. by focusing on the sex and however long we focus on the sex, um, that's the time and the length of time that it takes to go through all of the bad results of that situation before we ever get to mm -hmm. talking about the breach of trust. And the reality is it's the breach right. of trust that's that is the damaging part of the relationship. That's why, you know, people getting back right. together have such a hard time getting over that transgression and trying to restart right. again. You know, okay, I'll never do it again. And she believes me after X amount of time and, and all these things. But as long as that trust factor is in her mind and in her heart, it's going to be a very difficult situation to correct. And as we see in most of mm -hmm. those kinds of situations, you know, that the relationship falls apart and may end up in separation and or divorce, which opens a Pandora's mm -hmm. box of all kinds of new issues and problems for everybody involved. So, right. It's hard to be the adult in that situation when you've been hurt uh, emotionally, particularly. Right. You know, you know, we finally get over the, mm -hmm. the sexual part of it, but the emotional and the right. psychological damage that's been done, all three people will carry with them from that point. So you've got this old baggage, yes. right? 
And that's yeah. that's what makes the next relationship that more difficult. Um, and and this wow. is wow. Wait a minute now. Look, look, Branch. You know, I'm listening to listening to you, and I'm, you know that there's that storyteller in you and I'm listening and I'm listening and listening and I'm thinking wait a minute wait a minute he's not a psychologist he's supposed to be that storyteller right well how do you how do you know all of that stuff you know <laughs> so my question is uh what brought you to write about if you don't mind sharing it with us uh about relationships to to such ex- depth well, as a writer, I have been mm-hmm. really blessed with a, with a keen sense of observation. And, you know, people often ask me, mm-hmm. you know, well, where do your stories come from and, and how do you come up with this? Well, it's observation. I, right. I, I look and I listen to the world around me, particularly when I'm around people. Um, you know, right. as people we cannot live without relationships. Um, we are fundamentally right. creatures who have to be together in some form or fashion. So, and, and the interesting thing, <clears throat> yeah, particularly mm-hmm. today, and technology has only, you know, blown it up yes. proportionally. People are always trying to express to other people what's going on in their lives. And, you know, if you sit in a mm. coffee shop and and you watch people or you listen to conversations it doesn't take very long for you to understand you know what they're talking about yes. and the ramifications that they are feeling emotionally to the yes. experiences yes. that they're yes. describing so that's where most of my stories come from is from watching people and listening to people um and the great thing it's really interesting because you can be close to someone and as long as you sit mm-hmm. very still and are not yes. very animated, you sort of blend into the background and they won't even notice yes. that you're there. And so, you know, people divulge oh, a lot. you've got it down to a science. Um, you've got it down to a science. You must have been in undercover work once. <laughs> <laughs> um, possibly, but... Yeah, I, no comment. I, I've, I've, I have, you know, the first half of my life, I made a lot of mistakes and I did a lot of crazy things and a lot of harmful things. And um, I was well, that's what youth is for, right? Right, but that's, uh, that's why I, I, I that's was, why it's called I, youth. <laughs> I was a creature of the world, and so I experienced yeah. a lot of things firsthand. And as I had mentioned before, you know, I was, my father was in the military. So I got to travel quite a bit Mm -hmm. as a young person. And I lived in Europe and I was born in Japan and I lived in several different places in the United States. So I was able to be exposed to a lot of different people and several different cultures and languages. And it gave me... There you go. There she is. We have is. some life out there. <laughs> What's her name? Oh, one is Ginger and the other one is Gracie. Um, they're both rescue girls. Okay, res- we've two women. Girls, so, yeah. <laughs> and we've got Fred the cat, but Fred's a female too. So, And I've got 22 <laughs> chickens and all kinds of things going on out oh, in the yard. <laughs> 
I don't hear them. No. So they're pretty controlled out there. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, so, so you've been around I've, and yeah, you've I've had... experienced a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that energy of watching and listening, um, mm-hmm. you know, gives me a lot of situations to comment about. Right, and, right, and so right. That's where so it comes when from. when did it start? When did it start? When was um, when did that uh, uh, that desire to you know uh, journal about it or write about it or record it? Uh, when did it start, and how did it start? Uh, it, it started in the year two thousand. Um, my mm. wife and I had had just met and gotten married and i i had a urge to mm-hmm. to write my first book and my first book was mm. was it, it's a, a spiritual book but it, it was written for what's the title it's called god i believe Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much about my journey, although I had had some conflicting religious, right. spiritual things. Experiences. You know. mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I was motivated. I, I've, I saw a lot of people seeking and searching and came into confl- contact with a lot of Christians in conflict, a lot of fallen away Christians who had left the church mm-hmm. and um, I had left the church. I'd been kicked out of a couple of churches and those kind of things. So I identified mm-hmm. with a couple of churches, mm-hmm. their struck, you know, that struggle on that path of, I have this mm-hmm. desire within to find out more, but you know, I can't go back there to that building because of the hypocrisy. And, you know, on the one hand they want me to join. And on the other hand, they want, um, you know, they want to criticize who I am and why I haven't been there mm-hmm. and now why I'm there. So all of those kind of things. And so I was motivated mm-hmm. to write my first book. Um, at the time, we were living in Hawaii. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's where the impetus came from. The interesting thing was, after I wrote that book, um, I, I thought I was going down that particular path and one day Ah, one mm. day i was sitting out we lived right on the water and there was a gazebo Mm. at the end of the land we were on that jutted out so you're literally right over the water and right this thought came to my mind about the isolation and the fear that someone must feel when they are in the middle of the ocean, um, you know, from a shipwreck, yes. basically. Oh, yes. Um, and yes. how mental, mentally stressful that situation would be and the questions that one would have and all of those kind of things. And out of that thought came this short story poem. And for what, ah. for whatever reason, from that moment on, that, that's how it started to come out. And so my, ah. you know, my 
15 books of short stories and poetry were kicked off at, at that moment. And, and first it just started coming mm-hmm. out that way. Uh, and, and so mm-hmm. um, that's how it evolved and developed. And once I started that, that's when this, you know, observing and listening skill sort of kicked into high gear. Mm-hmm. So there was yeah. never, you know, a dry moment of not having inspiration. It was all around me. All I had Good. to start doing was paying Good. attention Good. to it. And right. so right. Right. having the scenario um, set the stage and then having the experiences, the emotional and psychological experiences developed the pathway for the story itself. So that's sort of how the yeah. writing, yeah. you know, developed and, and evolved and, and came about. Developed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. I started focusing in on all of these, you know, like I say in the, in the bio stuff, um, experiences, uh, situations, often experiences, that but not often have. voiced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most of the right. most of the writing right. is about things that you know we try to keep secret, um, or we're right, we're right, embarrassed right. or ashamed. Yeah, of course, you know to be exposed. But the reality is, we all have those experiences that you know are shameful. Yes, or mm-hmm. or play upon mm-hmm. our minds, and we, you know we think we're so bad and unworthy. And the fact is. None of us is alone in this situation. We have all done things, you know, which we regret. Mm -hmm. But the only way we can grow and get through that is to tackle. Is to voice them. That experience, you know, and and realize that Um, I'm not the only one, you know, who did this. Right. And others have survived it. So I know there's a way that it can be survivable. And, you know, let me give you a great example. I grew up in a, in a really okay. uh, conflicted household. And mm-hmm. I was a victim of a lot of abuse. And I held that... A conflicted, con- psychologically conflicted, do you mean? Well, a house full of not much love. And no, okay. no love was expressed, mm-hmm. right? And my oh, I see, I see. And my no, father was a you know tough military disciplinarian, right, 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 right. So mm-hmm. it, it was not a healthy situation um, growing up, you know. So I left home at sixteen, and mm-hmm. that, you know, that anger and frustration stayed with me all the way through adulthood. And when my father passed away, it took me a while, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I had finally come to a place where I could forgive him for his actions and his, his parenting, because it dawned on me that he was, that's just who he was. That's what he knew. That's That's what he grew up with. And that's what he experienced. Right. He never was a, pardon me. He was never able to grow through that. And right, how he expressed, right. you know, um, Do you mind me asking unloved. you, how old were you? How old were you when he passed? Um, I was 
28, I think. Oh, very young then. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very young. Yeah, 20, he was yeah, yeah. 28. Uh, Did he die young? Yes. Yeah. Did he, he pass? He, he died. Oh, I he see. died uh -huh. um, 53. Um, he, oh, had health, young, he had a yeah. health issue in it. You know, health issues, sudden, yeah. Sudden mm -hmm. situation. But even after he passed, mm -hmm. you know, it took me a while to work through this realization. Work through, of course. That he was just of who course. he was. And he, he was right. just never able to work through it. And once I understood it better and was able to forgive mm -hmm. him for the actions. Right, right. And, and let, let go of it. It released me from that grasp. Right. Were you able to incorporate that experience in some form, either your poetry or your other books? Did your your father come out as a figure in in its own right? Yeah, there's. A, there, I'm sorry to no, ask no, you these no, questions, no. but that's there's that's the good of, stuff. There, yeah, there's a couple of stories about him. Um. Yeah. You know, I, there's, I've written about all of my siblings and ah, both of my How parents. many do you have? Uh, I have four siblings and they all, wow. they all get a piece of the action someplace. <laughs> um, Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple about my mother, a couple about my father. Most of my work is not autobiographical. But that's uh -huh. not to say that some of the situations were not experienced right, firsthand. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, I, you know, we all struggle. So there's always struggle there. Yeah. And like I say, unless we can face it and try and understand right, it, right. it will always keep that hold yeah. upon us, you know. And <clears throat> one yeah, of the, yeah. the, what I see in the world, especially today, is that people grasp and grapple with insecurities and well, yeah yeah you know that's and what fear. that's what keeps us in this place where it's so difficult to grow um we have to let go of those things mm -hmm. we have to be able to forgive you know being abused or damaged or um you know the world the world is the world and it's not always a pretty place. Yeah, life is it. And yeah, life you is know, life. The the greatest thing that came out of that for me particularly was um when my children were young, I have boys, when they were young, mm -hmm. um, I saw much of my father's behavior in myself. Mm. And uh -huh. that was pretty disturbing really? and and I, I wow. didn't want to go down that path. Um, the blessing yeah. of the understanding and realization for me is I now have a really great relationship with my sons who are. Oh, all that's grown. wonderful. Yeah. So it, it, it's it, wonderful. You know, there, there was a, there's two sides to that coin and I managed to <laughs> grab sure. a hold of the good side and make something positive out of something I initially recognized that could be very negative. So 
Mm-hmm. You know, and what I always like to tell people is it can be done. I'm not special. You know, I haven't been yeah. uh, to the burning bush and, and gotten, you know, the answer. Um, <laughs> right. But it's, yeah. you know, we have to work on actively work on growing and better, being right, better people. Right. And, you know, if that's what you want yeah, yeah. to do, if you want to be a better person in your life, at work yeah. with your family, yeah, yeah. it can be done, but we have to face some, some truths and some realities and then want to make that yeah. change. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a writer as well. So, you know, I, I, there, it's, it's an experience. It's such a writing for me is one of the most beautiful experiences I have in my life. I mean, I'm a dancer as well. I love to dance. But the experience of writing is so revealing that I forget. I forget every time I do it and and the magic comes out of the pen. You know, I was so surprised. I wanted to talk about technique a moment. Um, So I'm sure you talked about 2000. The year 2000 is when you started. Now, I think my first book was written in 1998. So let's say similar. Mm-hmm. Now, I could remember what I was working on. I mean, I had an old Olivetti and I had to push real hard. And then, you know, I got the computer and then magically one computer after another after another and the sun that comes by and just erases all of three chapters of a book. I mean, I could remember all of those things. But today, what... Um, because there's so many tools uh, uh, at our fingertips, for, especially for writers. I mean, there's this fabulous app that's called Scrivener that I is just right, such there's right. such a long, curving, really learning curve, and I just abandoned it because you know it's. But I then resort to the pen and pencil. I bring a little notepad sure. always on yeah. the train with me. I have my recorder. What is your, um, what is the most? Uh, what is your go-to? habit of writing what do you use more than anything else do you ever record I, your thoughts only only in writing I, I don't record you know audio um uh-huh. i i could never have been a writer if it wasn't for the computer and and those software programs that are available ah, you know the cut and paste um the tools that you can use in writing really take the struggle of the labor, the effort, and make it right, you know, right, something right. that you, that anybody could can, anybody today can use those tools and become a writer. Now, whether they become you know yes, uh, whatever a good writer is, quality you know, is something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I always have pen, paper, and pen with me because you know when the thought hits, I need right. to get it down. And you got it. Yeah. It's just, you know, and I'll be asleep at night, you know, and I'll be thinking. Right, and and, right, and right. when I get three thoughts, I have to get up because I know it's coming and I, yeah, yeah, I need that, to get them down on paper. Three's the limit. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how it works yeah. for me. Um, I find yeah. that I can write pretty proficiently very quickly i can write a book in six months but Uh the joy of the writing and the key for me is the editing i love to edit yeah so 
Um, if I can get the idea down, the story scenario down, the characters down, you know, if I can get enough hooks on the paper and then transfer that mm -hmm. to the Word document, um, I'll normally, you know, write stories as they flow, but they, they, I, they come in spurts. So when I know I'm on, I start writing. Right, and, right, right. And, right, and right. then I leave it alone. And I'll go back in six uh -huh. months and reread everything I've written and the editing and the corrections start. And my um, vocabulary and my word usage starts to really, when I've got the plot and, and the characters down, then I can work on the writing part. And so mm -hmm, normally mm -hmm. my writing process is about two years, two and a half years. And it's a right. it's get it down on for how long of a book? For how long of a book? Um well what I've done in terms of pages. A couple hundred or, what or words. What I've done in, mm -hmm. in my short stories and my poetry is all of my books have fifty-two selections. And I've done that. By design. What do you mean by selections? Well, you know, a story. You mean 52? 52, 52 different stories. Entry stories. Yes, mm -hmm. 52 entries. Yeah. And I've done that, you know, people, a lot of people shy away from poetry and short stories. They look at poetry or imagine poetry as something from, you know, medieval Europe or... Medieval era. Shakespeare <laughs> or Chaucer, or, you know, it's something yeah, yeah. from the past. Yeah. And in fact, you know, poetry and short stories or storytelling is mankind's original sharing of stories. Right. And, An you know, it was tradition. all oral tradition. And then people started to write those down. And that became our fables and our myths and our, you know, stories of, uh, of who we are and, and those kind of things. So, Poetry has been grounded within us since the beginning, but today it's not, you know, uh, it doesn't appear for many people to be a viable uh, contextual presentation. And yet virtually all song lyrics, you know, all children's stories all have rhythm and rhyme to them. So they are, you know, the expression, poetic expression of all of our emotions, which we've lived with and had with us in our education, in our homes, since we've been, you know, early readers. So it's not like we haven't been exposed to it. But as we get to be adults, you know, our attention is drawn elsewhere and, and it, it kind of falls to the wayside. So what I've done is I have 52 selections per book. Uh -huh. So that people will be able to read one a week, and ah, I see. And then see. in a year, you know, they've been exposed to a, a, a poem or a short story, um, without a, a lot of involvement or time spent, that kind of thing. But they can yes, read one a yes. year, uh, one a week, and be done in a year, and then they've got <clears throat> that rhythm going, and my selections, what I try to do is um, mix them up. And I've had 
a couple of people really criticized me. In what me. way? Oh, you know, what just do you mean? Uh, what talking. What do you mean by uh, me? That's what I'm reading the jump on you. Lots of ground, <laughs> lots of different emotions, lots of uh, different situations. There's no theme then. There's no theme. You mean in terms of a theme? It, of, uh, exactly. Oh, there, well, wait a minute. There, there's no th- yeah, I'm, I'm going to argue too. There's no theme. Why is that? I, that's well, deliberate. Yes, it is deliberate because... I want people to get a real variety of scenarios because I never know which story is going to be reflective of the experience that they are in at that moment. Yes. What, okay. what their struggle mm-hmm. right, is right. at that moment. Um, the second thing is I want them to find a story that they really identify with. And that way mm-hmm. I find that they will keep reading to try and find that next identifiable situation. I also try to have um, stories that I don't want to say catch people off guard, but sort of throw them for a surprise. Yeah. And I love to have a story that they hate, you know, or or that they really, (laughs) they really get angry with me about. But wait Um, a minute, wait a minute. Now, how do you do that? How do you, purposefully write a story that someone could hate how how could you do that well you take them down the path and then at the end of the path you take them somewhere else that they didn't expect okay didn't expect to go expect i get it i get it i get it and good for you that's a great tip so when 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 they love it or they hate it i find that they continue to read to either find another one Mm -hmm. that they love or another one that they can be mad at oh, me about. You are sly. Oh, and yeah. in doing so, yeah. it it sort of keeps them off guard, which allows me then to expose right. them to a whole variety of situations and conflicts and you know scenarios that they know of. Again, either firsthand or somebody in their family or you know somebody they work with. Right. They start to identify. Yeah. yeah the reality of the story with somebody in their life. And Mm -hmm. by doing so, it allows them, I think, I hope, to recognize Mm -hmm. what someone else is going through. And maybe they they can step in, Mm -hmm. you know, and be the sounding board or the shoulder to cry on or the the person that that person needs at that moment so that they're not, you know, in that place of depression and yeah, I, I'm yeah, so yeah. bad, I'm so unworthy, you know, everybody hates me. Right. I, I'll never right. get out of this situation. Yeah. So that's the design. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the reason. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to keep the name engaged. Ask you this. Um, I want to keep the I can engaged. see that. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. And keep, you keep putting up a mirror exactly. <laughs> so they can see themselves. It's all which about is reflective identity. Yeah. Um, Reflective, that's that's yeah, what it's all yeah. about is looking at the mirror and really seeing mm-hmm. with truthful eyes what you see. That's the only way we can we can grow to become better people is to understand who we yeah. are right now, what what's put us there, what keeps us there, and how can we make that change? How can we, you know, get out mm-hmm. from that grasp and grow? Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about technique again. Um, you mentioned uh, you, you the, the initial process where you 
let's say, throw everything on the page, you put it together, the uh, brainstorming part, and then you leave it for a period of six months, more or less. You come back to it and then uh, you make, you refine the the words on the page, you refine the style, the prose or whatever. Uh, let me ask you, if you've ever, in that phase, when in the refining part, do you ever verbalize the the writing? Do you ever read it out loud? Always. Or record it? Always. Okay. Okay. I'll make you laugh then. Always. Um, my podcast, I started the podcast because I had the book and I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it because if I didn't hear it, I, I couldn't un, I couldn't evaluate it, right? So I started and I would literally in bed with my phone and record my voice reading this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> and it was called Pleasure Seeking. The book was The Magic of Pleasure Seeking. And that's how it started. And then I was so accustomed to it and I enjoyed it so much that I left it aside and called it multiple voices after my company's called oh, multiple I love it. voices because yeah. I wanted to branch out. Yeah. And it's, um, and I, you know, there's the voice of love. There's the voice of writing, writing voices and, um, uh, the voice of laughter and play, the people who, uh, who coach other people through laughter and through games, you know? And, um, and so it was so therapeutic for me because I, I, I'm a sound person. I, my eyesight is not the best. Ever since I was small, I was at, so astigmatic. I, I used to dream about being a pilot, but I couldn't. In those days, you had to have perfect sure. 20-20 vision. Sure. <laughs> so I started writing poetry myself at a very, very young age. But the thing is that I'm so sound oriented. I, you know, I was like, like I mentioned to you, I was an interpreter, and sure. I wear earphones practically ten hours a day, listening. It's, it's what makes I'm very sensitive to the voice, right? When you say that you read it and it's all the time, um, give me an example. Give me an example of how you can course correct after you've read and it just doesn't work. Well. Many of the stories that I write, you know, are dialogue driven, um, two people or more oh, in, involved. Uh -huh. And yeah, uh, yeah, uh, reading it on the page, you know, puts, puts you in one place. When I read it out loud, it allows me to know where to put enunciation, you know, where the emphasis needs to be put right. in the sentence so that it gives the emotion that I'm trying to express. And this is why um, for a long time, I did a lot of open mic, um, you know, situations. Uh -huh. And yeah, you get a whole different, both as a presenter and as an audience listener, you get a whole different effect from re as opposed to reading when we when we read a story yeah. you know we we are involved but we're reading along and when you've when i've written something yeah. where there's dialogue that takes place in order for the emotion or the stress to be in the proper place i have to hear it in order to know how to you know how to realign things right. or where to make the break and those kind of things so that when the reader reads it it's actually two people talking and not 
just the reader reading through yes, the text. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. important for Ted- me. I always read everything out loud. Uh, it allows me to see, yeah. you know, where I can refine it, where there seems to be mistakes, where the context is not coming across or is coming across. So it's, it's mm-hmm. real important for me, just like you, you know, to yeah. hear it mm-hmm. audibly. Um, hear it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It refines, refines, and refines it, and and for me, that's that's yeah, the yeah. writing process. Always trying to edit and refine. So when the reader reads it, there's nothing lost, nor is there any extra. The thing I love about poetry is I... it can be brief, it can be concise, yeah. and it can be comprehensive if it's done correctly. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to give the reader as much information and joy and involvement with as few words as possible. And I, I, you know, I think that's my obligation as a writer is to make that, that Mm -hmm. couple of minutes um, really enjoyable, but also, so when they get done, they go, wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. Wow. Or, yeah. <laughs> boy, I didn't expect wow. that, yeah. you know, and and that's the kind of reaction mm-hmm. I'm trying to get. So if it's, if it's got a lot of superfluous words, mm-hmm. you know, that to me is a disservice to the reader. Um, so right, that, that's right. the point. Um, but yeah. Do you enjoy? No. You listen. <laughs> you listen out loud. <laughs> do you... Um, uh, do you are you a an audiobook uh, fan? Do you listen to books? I don't. Um, my mm-hmm. wife does incessantly, um, but she's mm-hmm. a real reader. Ah, um, she good. reads and listens. A woman a lot. after my own heart. I I <laughs> have listened to audiobooks, um, but it's not. You know, I I prefer to read. I I just um, yeah yeah. yeah. It, it allows mm-hmm. me. Uh, like, like I was saying with the open mic, what I found in doing open mic is, first of all, the presentation, the, the the selection needs to be very short, because when you are are uh-huh. reading a passage or you know doing a, a presentation of a, a work, the audience has to hear what you're saying, and then they have to right. understand what you're saying, and then they have to think and process what those words mean. And what I found in doing open mic was the cadence is essential because you you can't go too slow, but you can't go too fast because they have to keep up with the story and they still have to process. When you read a selection, you can spend as much time as you need. You know, if you read a sentence that really grabs you, you can mull on that sentence when you're listening to an open mic session or somebody reading to you you only have as much time as they allow before they're going on to the next sentence and so what you're asking is for them to hear it think about it process it and keep up with the audio that they're hearing right very difficult to do um right you know and 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 especially in those kind of uh, situations where there's a lot of activity in the bar, the coffee house, and everything. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. gave that up because it it, it it doesn't do justice to the piece, and it doesn't 
do justice to the right, audience. Right, right, right. It, and, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. always polite and things like that. But it's just too many. You're asking them to do too many things at once. Too many to things. To enjoy it. Yeah, and, and, yeah, exactly. And enjoy it. And at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, get that aha moment. Um, but that, that's yeah, why yeah, I read. Yeah. I, I very seldom do I do audiobooks. It's just not my, you know, it's not yeah, my yeah. method. It's yeah. I, I, when I read yeah, and yeah, yeah. I get something that triggers something for me, I need to think about it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what's the, what, what are they trying to really, yeah. what are they really trying to tell me? Because there's always an agenda, right, right. you know, and you got to read yeah. between the lines, yeah, yeah. and and um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, you see, the difference with audiobooks and um, is is well, there's a a, a world of difference, of course, but um, it is as interesting as the narrator is. Exactly, uh, exactly. The book can yeah. die exactly. or the book can live, yeah. and um, I'm a I'm a, a voiceover. Oh. Uh, I work with commercial commercials and things like that. I you know, voice my own uh, uh, publications. And um, I'm so picky about who I listen to that when I find a good narrator, I go and listen to all of that person with yeah. that <laughs> with that voice. That's what my wife Because, does. you know, it's yeah. so fascinating. It is. Yeah. It's so fascinating to see that same person voicing 20-odd characters male female old and young it is almost unbelievable it is just unbelievable the way they they do that, yeah, that, that and uh, it, it's like you say yeah it's it's a gift that's her know? that's it's open mic that, and how that how yeah. fast that's her biggest turnoff with the audiobooks is you know she says oh, yes man, that yes, person yes. was so i love everything you know they do and then she'll find somebody else yeah, no. who just doesn't do it and she said i can't finish no, the book no. you know i just i can't i can't i can't get it and you return it i mean i just yeah. can't listen that's it yep. i just can't listen um and what's interesting is uh, the author who um reads and narrates their own book usually usually they're good because they have their material you know but it's not always like that unfortunately you can find some lemons yeah i, I would never <laughs> I, some I would never do my own i would only you know try and hire someone with experience and and professional it's interesting uh-huh. you know <clears throat> pardon me when i go to book you know conferences and or exhibits and things like that and yeah there's always a handful of people who aspiring authors who come up and say you know yes ask me about yes. it and yada, yada, and, and that kind of thing. And then they say, well, you, yeah. you know, I'm a self-published person. So they say, well, do you publish anybody else's yeah. books? You know, would you read my stuff? Would you publish my book? Yeah. And I always have yeah. to say no, yeah. because number one, I'm not a professional at that. You know, I can publish my own books yeah. <clears throat> because I know the, the, the process, but <clears throat> trying to publish you know somebody person, else's yeah. books, mm-hmm. You know, their entire identity or livelihood may be dependent upon it. And yeah, that's not yeah. what I'm versed in doing it for somebody else. So I always have to say no. So yeah, it'd be the yeah, same yeah. thing with an audio book. Yeah. You know, I would try and find somebody who could do the work credit. Um, yeah, and yeah. that would not be me. I can, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I can write it. But after the writing and the mm-hmm. editing takes place, I have somebody in my life who does all the hard work and, yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> that's, that's the greatest 
and the worst thing about being a writer is yes. when you're done with the writing, <laughs> yeah. the real work starts because yeah. it's a jungle and it's a dog eat dog out there. And it's a jungle. The chances yeah. of, yeah. you know, being successful as a writer and or being, you know, yeah. read and appreciated <clears throat> very, very seldom mm -hmm. does that happen because the business end of it and all of the things that yes. have to take place after the you put the end on the story, those things are yes, full yes. time all the time endeavors. Yeah, full time, full time, and, full time. You know, yeah. you I have never like you um, independently published. I've never done that before. But uh, I've always gone the traditional route and of course we we know the pros and the cons yeah. about that. Uh, but I was thinking probably in future for certain areas, you know, I've never worked with fiction. Uh, I've always worked with nonfiction. And so I'm uh, going to go into the fiction and I will think about that. But you have been independently publishing since day one. Is that is that true? My first book was published by a what they call a vanity house a vanity you know someone who does all uh -huh. the legwork for you you give them the manuscript they do all the the things that you need done to get it into the final form uh -huh. and fashion um <clears throat> after right. that when i realized that even though they were doing you know the legwork i still had to do everything else on the back end i thought well yeah. I, yeah. I can learn the steps and do it myself you know, and have complete control because once you have someone else, you know, a, a house, be it, a, you know, big house or a small house, once they yeah. take your work, they normally take control of your work as well. And right. I mean, they're in business to make money. That That's the idea. Right. And right. Of course, and, of um, course, there's that positive and negative. They, path. they, mm -hmm. you know, it's like being famous and having a, a, a anything that puts you up there in the clamor zone, everybody takes a piece. And right. that's just part of the system, part of the game. You know, and if you're going to, yeah, that's if part you're going to fly system, in the yeah. stratosphere, you know, you've got to know that, that your time and your energy is parsed to a variety of different entities or, or people. Of course. So of course. <laughs> I did the first one that way and it was fine. I mean, but I, but I learned the steps involved mm -hmm. and I thought I can do this part of it as well. So from book number one, yeah, uh, yeah. book number two on, yeah, we've done everything ourselves. I have a graphic artist. Who Are does you happy? My, my, uh, Are you satisfied with that? Were you happy with the way it's been going? Oh, yeah. Independently. Uh -huh. <laughs> I am, but, but I have to That's tell great. you. Um, the mistakes that you learn it's a lot of work and oh, you know oh, the mistakes people give people us, always give me an ask example me, what's because your, I, what, I don't know what's your favorite book well my fa my favorite book i've written is the next one because i'll have learned yeah, yes. the, the new mistakes <laughs> that i made in the last yes. one yeah, yeah it's uh it's a learning yeah. process and that's yes, the thing yes that, you know you have to before you ever go to press, boy, you better have done, you know, all the things you need to do because. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Yeah. Once <laughs> yeah. it's out there, it's out there. And um, once it's published, you could kick yourself so many yeah. times. <laughs> but it, it took, yeah. it took, yeah. you know, a number of, of iterations 
to iterations. To, yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> get the process. Okay, well, we know what's next, and we, you know, it, my first yeah, yeah, my yeah. first book with those people cost me two thousand dollars for them to do all of mm -hmm. their part of it and to get me fifty copies of the book. Right. Now when I mm -hmm. now when I do a book, it costs me between one hundred and fifty and two hundred dollars to do the same yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the time is still the same amount of time, but the cost involved to get mm -hmm. it off the press and onto the shelf is about 10% of what it was yeah. originally. But there yeah, again, yeah, yeah. you know, I have mm -hmm. to do or be responsible for all the moving parts. And right, that's, of course. that's the time of consumption course. part of it. You know, it, it, it doesn't leave the, the more popular your work becomes, the more, demand on your time, you know, and you can only be doing one thing in one place at one time. So you have to have people around you that you a trust and B are competent yes. to do what you're hiring them to do, you know, like a graphic designer or yeah. a website yeah, yeah, yeah. builder or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a never ending road once you get on it. As, as long as you're on it, you know, right. there's always some new trick or some new demand or something that you will garner yeah. your attention when you think, oh, I can take a mm -hmm. break now. Um, well, breaks over, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's that kind of a situation. <laughs> yeah, take take a, a moment. Exactly. <laughs> the moment's gone. <laughs> Branch, it was such a pleasure to uh, talk to you. And I'm so happy you took the time to come. Um, and I'm, I mean, we could go on and on and on. I mean, there is that next book, right? There is the next book. <laughs> it would be, it, yeah. it's just, there is the next book. Yeah. It's actually, it's, and it's, um, so I would. It's actually, it's actually, <laughs> after 22 years, it's actually the sequel to the first book. Ah, yeah. yeah. Do you have a, a draft title I do. that you want to share? It's called Breaking, oh, good Breaking for you. Free. Yeah. Oh ho! So so. Uh, oh, how interesting! How interesting! Well, I'll be looking out for that. And when people want to look for you, um, they can go to your website, right? It's uh, www dot branch like the tree branch. Yes. Isole is i s o l e dot com, and there is where they can order your books and see what you've done. Sure, right? sure. All my books, yeah. my my uh -huh. books are available in paperback or eBooks. Um, they're all uh -huh. they're all there on the site. I'd like to invite people to go either to the website where we post um, selections and thoughts for the day and that kind of thing. We also have a YouTube channel mm -hmm. where we post all of those same things, but you can get, I've got over 400 um, posts on YouTube now and our website, we mm. normally do what is a week's worth. Called? So, what is it called? Branch the Soleil. What is the week? Uh, yeah. Ah, Branch yeah. Soleil. It's just a YouTube okay. channel. You go uh -huh. to YouTube and just put in my name. Um, <clears throat> on the website, we normally have a week's worth. So we'll have seven different selections uh -huh. that people can read. Um, uh -huh. And there's a place where they can, um, Order the books and the ebooks, you know, either from us or mm -hmm. from um, any of the booksellers. Um, and then, mm -hmm. then we also post a variety of things on the website. I've got um, 
short stories. I've got poems. I've got some some uh, series. I've got ten different series on there. They're basically essays and mm-hmm. these kind of things. But it's all available all available at the website or and on YouTube. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Well, I'll be looking out for your new book. <laughs> I'll be looking for your new book soon. I hope. Do you have any projected time or date? Uh, it's actually finished. Um, I've done the final edit. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting on the boss to um, get all the technical <laughs> parts ready to go. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll, I'll be looking for that. Thank you. Thank you so much, and happy trails. Bye-bye, Brad. Bye, Claudia. Thank you so much. You're welcome.